With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. Throughout this unprecedented school year, we're hearing from families, students, and teachers about how the pandemic is changing education. Today, as part of our series called Learning Curve, we meet Jenna Philpot of Lake Oswego, Oregon. She and her husband, Matt, have four kids. Three have dyslexia. Another has ADHD. Maddox, Georgia, Truman, and Maisie all started remote classes this past week. But then came the wildfires. They sent us this audio diary of how their week unfolded. Okay, now what are you doing, Maisie? Oh, right, right up there, I think. Oh, it's right here. You have to allow the camera. So click on that link for the Zoom call. And we're talking about zombies? Yeah, we're talking about... Uh, Modern Warfare, Call of Duty. When is Mr. McLean done? Uh, he's, we're done. We're waiting, we have like a 15 minute break. We're on a Tuesday schedule today. You're on the Wednesday schedule today? Mm-hmm, we're on Tuesday. It's all, it's all been shifted over a day. 3G plus 57, or it would be the other way. Yeah, 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 that's fine. 3G plus 57. Okay, now read the meme. There's no meme this time. Oh, man. Because I'm a winner. (laughs) Where did Jack Wilkes go? You're following up our... So Truman has um, his dyslexia intervention in a few minutes. I told his teacher I have to get him off in about three minutes. And um, he's on a group assignment with another student. So I don't really know. I don't want to leave her hanging. Um, my son has also made bacon in the middle of an ash and firestorm here, and um, so we can't open windows to get the smoke from the bacon out of my house. Hey, what are you working on? Uh, English. Why are you working on your English while we're evacuating? Uh, because it's homework. All right, we're going to go and, like, um, I think... I don't know. As soon as we can, okay? Okay. And we're joined now by Jenna Philpot. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you, and I want to ask how you and your family are doing. I understand that you're currently in a hotel in Redmond, Washington, right outside of Seattle. That's right. We're um, we're doing well, considering... Um, I don't know. It's, it's complex. <laughs> I think I, every answer I have to your questions is... It's complex. <laughs> uh, but just, you know, paint a picture. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, having to get away from the fires. I mean, uh, how did that feel? We were in a level one evacuation zone, which means have a plan. 
and we decided that our plan was to uh, go sooner than most, being stuck in traffic with kids with ADHD and dogs that in the middle of the night, in the middle of a fire, uh, wasn't something we wanted to do if we could avoid it. It's a lot. <laughs> it's it's, a, it's lot. a lot. We have an electric car and we weren't sure if it would get all the way up to Redmond in one charge. It did. But, you know, traveling at night with four kids, two dogs. Fleeing a fire. Pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to ask you a little bit about what this has looked like for your family while they're trying to learn, because I can't imagine what it's like trying to teach them in that environment. I guess the the good thing is that they're um, what they call asynchronous lessons online, so lessons that you can complete without a teacher there um, guiding you. Um, I don't I don't know what we're going to do on Monday, and I I don't know what we're going to do next week, and I don't know what this looks like. I I, I don't I don't know. Your kids are dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I will say my daughter is dyslexic too. I mean, you get accommodations, but mm-hmm. it is still really hard. Well, for the younger ones, the district has tried its best to curtail the number of passwords just to get to the material. But if you are dyslexic and you're young, <laughs> you can hardly read a password, much less you know mm. basic reading. <laughs> and so just maneuvering on the online space is difficult. There is no independence at all, at all. Tell me a little bit about this from the kids' perspective. How are they feeling about it? I think they are frustrated and overwhelmed, and it builds. I, I'm sad and a little embarrassed, I guess, to tell you this on national radio, but I've really let go of a lot of uh, expectations or wanting or trying to explain the help that we need. It's it, At this point, it's better to have my energy to be a good parent and to um, recognize that at some point we're going to be on the other end of this and it's going to be because of our efforts as a family. Do you have any idea what you're going to do after this? I mean, how is your home looking? Do you know yet? No. Our state fire coordinator and governor has said we should expect to burn through the end of October and that the efforts are going to be to keep the more heavily populated areas free of fires. I don't know what that means for us. Um, One of the options is to pitch a tent in a friend's yard up here in the Seattle area, but the smoke is uh, bad up here too. I actually don't know what to say. I am so sorry. I don't sorry. either. <laughs> I'm so sorry that and your so it, family is going through this. Yeah, um, I'm sorry if my answers weren't super specific to my kids in education, but at this point it's maybe not the first thing on my mind. <laughs> Jenna, are you taking care of yourself too? <laughs> as best as one can. I don't know how to answer that either. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I have a really good husband. 
um, who brought me coffee for our interview. <laughs> so, We wish you and your family all the best, and we will be checking back in with you to make sure that you guys are, are well. Oh, thank you. I, th- thank you. Thanks very much. That's Jennifer Pot from Lake Oswego, Oregon. All right. Darling, Dr. Uh, Mazama, a few times I didn't get her line, so I will try again. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade uh, in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Tuesday, September 15, 2020. So I have been told uh, this broadcast today. You heard the audio segment at the beginning. Uh, I didn't have video, but I suspect uh, the family that you heard from in Oregon likely would be classified uh, as white. Talking about their difficulties uh, in relocating from the fire situation uh, to get here to Washington State, Redmond specifically, uh, which I thought was ironic. And they even included it in the segment because their fire is here. So it's not as though it would almost be like literally frying pan to the fire uh, because there is no uh, clear skies here and all the rest of it uh, has just continued to be a awful situation uh, worldwide. Uh, just trying to uh, navigate it as best we can. Uh, they had initially projected that there might be uh, some clear skies. I think the Seattle area and it might even be the Pacific Northwest in general uh, is kind of renowned for having really uh, crisp, clean air uh, and not a whole lot of pollution and that type of a thing. Like it really strikes you, you know, when you get off the plane or if you're traveling or what have you when you get here. But all of that is gone now. Uh, I thought it might improve a little bit. It rained yesterday evening, but that did not help at all. Uh, If anything, it looks worse today, uh, even though it's not raining anymore, but uh, just looks terrible and said it could be like this for the remainder of the week. So, uh, yeah, the terribleness continues uh, worldwide and specifically uh, here in uh, Washington State. Uh, They had a Washington State, Oregon, California, West Coast in general. Uh, They had a map of the Seattle area where I am located and they were telling folks Uh, to avoid being outside, to uh, not do any strenuous activity. If you have to be outside to try to keep the windows uh, and your residence closed, uh, if you can, if you have a HEPA filter and all that stuff uh, so that you can have better air quality. Uh, We registered where Seattle is, this part of Washington state. We registered as having, it was, I think, between very unhealthy and harmful air quality. Very unhealthful, excuse me, very unhealthy, harmful. That was the lower end of the range. I think I said this past Saturday, they said that Portland currently has the worst air quality in the world. That was what they reported last week. I said, Seattle cannot be too far behind them. We are not, on the pristine end of air quality at this point at all. So just trying to make do of a horrendous uh, situation 
as best we can. Anywho, I, I am sure this has disrupted all kinds of things. Uh, school, it knocked power out last week. I said at the beginning of the week when all the fires and everything started and it was a lot of wind. Uh, we lost pow- uh, power for about two or three hours. I think a lot of people did uh, in the Seattle area. But with all of the chaos, I am sure the school situation has been disrupted. I know folks are dealing with the hurricanes in different parts of the globe. Uh, it has just been a constant, endless tumult. Uh, I know some folks were thinking about homeschooling before everything happened uh, with the Rona. Uh, and then now with everything, depending on where you are geographically at, uh, at minimum, right? Everybody is dealing with the Rona situation and not knowing if it's going to be safe uh, to send your children there, not even knowing if it's even going to be available, I guess, depending on which you know location that you're in. Some places they've already canceled, uh, like going in person to school for the remainder of the year. Some places they're doing remote learning. Uh, that's been, you know, kind of all over the place in terms of uh, constructive results. And is that really going to maximize uh, your child's development over the next however long this lasts? Are we going to be talking a half a semester, a, a quarter. Are we going to be talking? This is going to be the full academic year until June 2021 that it's going to be messed up and not in school and that sort of thing. So I know a lot of folks are giving a serious reconsideration uh, to what they want to do with their child's uh, academic program if they want to be homeschooling them. I know some folks have been thinking about this already. Uh, and so this kind of push things uh, was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back metaphor, if you will, uh, for this situation. Uh, So hopefully uh, we'll be able to get our guest on the program with us and she'll be able to give out suggestions. I would really encourage uh, non-white parents, victims of racism to take advantage on this one. Uh, If you have any questions uh, you would like to ask if this has altered uh, your child's academic program, duh. And if so, how? Uh, are you looking at homeschooling? Is that something that you feel like is not feasible? You can even take an opportunity, ask a few questions. If you don't think it's feasible, why? Uh, what is it? What is it exactly that would prohibit? Is it is it a time thing? Uh, is it a resource? I know we've heard when we had Dr. Mazama on the program with us before, uh, we had some parents who were saying it, it could be a lot of things. It could be really challenging uh, to do homeschooling if you've never done that before, if you didn't experience it. So you don't really have an idea of what it's supposed to look like, what it can, can what it can be. It can be kind of daunting. Uh, but folks were saying time or if you work uh, a busy schedule, you might not have the time to come in and teach your child. Uh, it might be resources feeling like you're kind of be going to be all on your own and doing everything that you're not going to have anybody to help you. If your child stays in this and now you got to be the one to teach them physics or, you know, chemistry and that sort of thing. Some folks feel like, Hey, I, I don't exactly feel like, you know, pre-calculus is my strong suit. I don't really feel the most qualified to teach my child physics and, and that type of thing. Like, Lots of those type of questions, I would say, take advantage. I know Dr. Mazama uh, addressed a few of those issues uh, in terms of resources and how you can kind of depend on other people to help out if you don't particularly feel as strong in some subject areas and the time component of it. Dr. Mazama, in addition 
to being an educator working at Temple University in Pennsylvania. Uh, she homeschooled uh, her own children. She has three children, uh, unless I've been misinformed. So uh, she also can relate to being busy. You have a full schedule. It's not like you're just going to be exclusively homeschooling your children and that's it. So if it's a time constraint, whatever it is, feel free, ask a question. We'll see if we can get Dr. Mazama on with us live. Uh, and in fact, if we have any folks who are already homeschooling, I know we have some cows listeners uh, who already, you know, before the Rona, just the terrors of white supremacy, racism and white female teachers was more than enough uh, to encourage looking at different alternatives, independent schools, that sort of thing. So if you've already been doing that and just continued uh, through, you know, this whole health pandemic, then for sure you can dial in with that as well. Uh, if this hasn't really disrupted things too much, if, if this has kind of made you uh, appreciative of having already had kind of a system set up that was independent of everything, public schools and all that, feel free to share too. Uh, in the meantime, we will try again. Let's see if we can get our guest, Dr. Mazama, on with us. Uh, give me one second. Is racism hurting you? On issues of race, are you unable to speak, think, and act with clarity and confidence? Are you tired of laughing when nothing is funny, smiling when you are not happy, agreeing when you really disagree? Counterracism.com, you can learn specific strategies and techniques to counter the behaviors of the people who practice racism in all areas of activity, using words correctly, following counter-racist logic, even counter-racist science projects designed to reveal what racism is, how it works, and how to counter it. The open source code writing format allows you to pick and choose from a variety of counter-racist suggestions so you can produce the code that works for you. Stop by counterracism.com today and help replace racism with justice. That's counter-racism.com.
Alrighty. Try it again. I uh, rung Dr. Uh, Mazama and uh, I got her voicemail. So I'll try one more time. I had emailed her and we were all set to go. Uh, I thought for the broadcast this evening, uh, hopefully uh, we'll try again and see if we can nap her on the line. I dropped her email as well. Uh, so hopefully uh, we'll be all set to go. Uh, we were looking at Monday first uh, yesterday, but uh, she had uh, arrested. She is an attempted parent. So she had things with her offspring. So we moved it to Tuesday uh, to uh, accommodate her schedule. Uh, but Mr. On the phone line, again, like I said, was hoping to uh, offer some resources because I, I do not have children myself. But I recognize this has been an extraordinarily, whew, to put it mildly, stressful, challenging, morbid, unpleasant, confusing year. Uh, can't believe that it's almost over. <sighs> just hopefully we can get through it. Uh, but a major component of that, I think, has just been the total uh, disruption uh, for school for a lot of children. Uh, just not being able to even have an idea of when this is going to be normal in some sense. I think even for I was seeing some of the reports for even for some of the children that are being homeschooled that for a lot of them, I know some black children that were homeschooled years before all of this and they have a lot of programs and things where they, it's not like you're just sitting in your room or uh, at your residence all day long. And, you know, with your guardian attempted parent, whatever it is. And just, it's not, that's not the case at all <laughs> for uh, a lot. I guess it is for some people, but that does not have to be the case at all. And for a lot of folks, they have, uh, activities and things where they go out and still get all the physical activity and group things. We can go out and socialize with other children. And uh, I knew some children they had, uh, it would be like a kind of a every year event where they would go to this big indoor water park. And so it'd be all the children who are homeschooled in like a, I don't know, 60 mile radius would convene for like two or three days and have fun and hang out and run all over the facility and, and all the rest of this. So, I mean, you get to do a lot of things uh, depending on the type of homeschooling, the type of parents that you have that are in charge of your homeschooling. So even for a lot of them, it's been disrupted. Like they'd be going to the museum. I think Dr. Mazama, she said one of her children got interested in aviation and she made that a part of his homeschool program. I think he got his pilot's license. We talked about that when she was on the broadcast in 2016, but she made that a part of their uh, curriculum. She saw he was interested in that. Hey, right. On, as opposed to doing something that you don't care about at all, uh, that has no relevance right on. We'll tie this right, right into our science lessons. And wow. Now you can parlay that into a heck of a hobby, if not career, uh, that you can fly a plane. I mean, wow. Anywho. Uh, but if we have folks, you're already doing the homeschooling bit, uh, feel free. Uh, you can chime in. If we have, uh, parents who, have just kind of had their academic routine disrupted uh, along with everything else this year. Uh, feel free. I'll give one more uh, attempt uh, getting uh, Dr. Mazama on the program uh, again. Um, no, I don't know. Didn't get any, any heads up. I checked my email, had that in front of me and didn't get a, any sort of heads up about a uh, problem or anything. So hopefully she is well, family and everything is well. It's just been uh, a rough year. Uh, even in the, rough years uh, i'm still pretty or even more so guarded about my time 
and energy uh, and not wasting time and energy. Cannot emphasize that enough. Uh, man, time and energy, time and energy value non-white people's time and energy, especially in the year of the Rona. Man, we all have about eight billion things we could be doing. Jeez. Uh, give it one more effort. See if we can get Dr. Uh, Mazama with us on the cows. Uh, we'll be right back. And from the late 1960s, after the death of Martin Luther King and the riots and the upheavals and all like this, and black people with their fists in there and all like that, and trying to stumble and fumble and find their way and get focused. And from the late 1960s, after the death of Martin Luther King and the riots and the upheavals and all like this, and black people with their fists in their hair and all like that, and trying to stumble and fumble and find their way and get focus. The white supremacists made a blueprint and put it in action, and that is, I'm going to have these people so confused, they don't even know what they started out to do. And by the late 1970s, they had just about completed it. And we've been on that ever since. And you mentioned something very important. They are more comfortable than ever. But see, it's like making gorillas comfortable in a cage or monkeys or pandas. You still got them in a cage, but they are comfortable. See, so give him some bling bling. It's like giving an animal a brand new car and training the animal to ride up and down the street in it. And then you stand back and point at the animal. Like one white man said in the late 1950s, he said he doesn't care what kind of car a Negro has. He said he's still a nigger. And when he rides by in a shiny car, to him, it's just a monkey in a car. White people built a car put a monkey in it, train the monkey to drive the car, so now you're looking at a monkey in a car. See, but black people don't see themselves that way. But this is how the white supremacists see us, and they are the ones who run our business. And we have to know that, that when they look at us, that's what they see. That that's what they see. That that's what they see. And at a subliminal level, what they see begins to spill over into our brains so that we, at a subliminal level, see each other that way and indirectly see ourselves that way.
Alrighty. Tried again to uh, get Dr. Mazama and got her voice message. Hopefully she's doing well. Uh, I didn't get a message or anything like that from her. I have my email uh, here. Didn't get a phone message either. I tried to ring her and uh, emailed her as well and did not get a response. So hope she is well. Uh, again, I am a bit more than you all know, like, ooh, we vicious about my time. Like, man, <laughs> vicious about my time. That is one thing. I think Josh Wickett said that years ago. He's a victim of racism as a guest on the program before. Uh, but he said that is one thing we can do to work against racism, white supremacy value non-white people's time the exact same way that we value white people's time. That right there, you can just analyze that in your own uh, arrangements and what have you. Uh, If you have appointments, engagements, things where you're supposed to be using another non-white person's time and energy, is it valued in the same manner as a white person's? Do not waste non-white people's time and energy. Definitely do not waste Gusty's waste Gusty's time and energy fighting off fires and all kinds of other things. Uh, I will check in just to see if any of the attempted parents uh, have any comments uh, offerings they would like to share. You can go back in the archives and hear when Dr. Mazama was with us uh, first time around. Uh, we are whites only. So this will probably just be added into Gusty being less motivated to look into non-white guests on the program. Whites only. Whites only. We have a white person who stands us up. I just say what I said last week. Valerie Jackson. Birds chirp. Dogs bark. White people practice racism. White supremacy. Whites only on the cows. Whites only on the cows. Whites only on the cows. Uh, I will make sure I get in this really quick since I have a a free moment. Uh, I would encourage folks to be mindful about your reason for contacting another non-white person. Uh, We have lots of strife, lots of problems uh, in the universe right now. Lots of folks are dealing with man. Oh, man, it should not be. I'm looking at this moment to contact another non-white person, another, another black person just to be discourteous because I've had a whole lot of that really just since the Rona the last six months. People who do not speak to me, they're not cows listeners. Like we don't have a rapport who are contacting me just to be discourteous. They don't agree with a viewpoint on racism, white supremacy. What have I been saying for 12 years? So what? They don't agree about the Rona. So what? I do not go around harassing people uh, because I have a different view uh, than they do about the Rona, white supremacy, racism, a book that we're reading or anything else. I present my views. Leave it at that. Say the same thing. I could be wrong. VGQ. Keep it moving. Do not contact non-white. We're supposed to be trying to minimize conflict with other non-white people. You already have a whole lot of people who are disgruntled, impatient, 
already super dissatisfied with about 8 billion different things this year. There's no reason to add to that by contacting another non-white person just to be spiteful, just to tell them they don't know what they're talking about. It's no reason for that at all. I think we talked about that for years here, at least many times. Non-white people, victims of racism are not contacting another non-white person to learn anything. There's no sincere effort to listen to what you have to say, what views you have. It is. When is this coon going to stop talking so that I can let them know you are a coon and don't know nothing. It's a whole lot of that. And I would think with all the stress and strife that's happening right now on the planet, we have time and energy. Same thing. I would think we have greater respect for our own time and energy. Like surely I have something better to do than with my time and energy than to be discourteous with another victim. Surely I have something better to do. Even asking how do we solve the problem of racism, white supremacy, a question like that I have seen generally is not asked with any sincerity, meaning if someone, if a non-white person knew how to solve this problem, we wouldn't have it. All I can assume is there is no non-white person who has an answer to this problem. Just following logic myself, Dr. Welsing, Mr. Fuller, no one, we wouldn't have the problem. That's just following logic. No problem. We're still learning, still trying to figure it out. What I see, you have a whole lot of folks. You'll see a non-white person sharing about their views on racism, white supremacy. And it's just, so what should we do to solve this problem? And when, of course, the person, I don't really know. I'm still thinking about it. I have a few suggestions, but I don't know what should be done to solve this. Oh, see there. Got these old talking, ignorant. If that's your only reason to talk to this person is, oh, you don't know what you're talking about because you don't know how to solve this problem. Well, you don't either. Really make an effort. Think about, am I talking to this non-white person just for some conflict, just to disagree, just to tell them, well, I don't agree with this. And I don't agree with that. And further, I don't think you know what you're talking about. Is that the only reason that I'm talking to this person? We're not looking for consensus. You don't have to lie and say that you agree with somebody when you do not. You certainly will see a whole lot of non-white people, gusty included, saying things that are inaccurate, promoting views that are not logical, even though we should all strive not to do that. That is not a reason. That should not be my immediate cue. Oh, I got to let them know. Get them told right quick really resist the urge to do that we'll pause there Uh, if we have any uh, parents have a thought they would like to share Uh, as we're on uh, again was hoping to give out a few uh, tidbits suggestions uh, resources for parents that are hanging in Uh, let's see Do, do 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 do
Woo, all righty. Let's see. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Check in. All righty. Hello? Oh, Dr. Mazama, do we have you there? Yes, I have been waiting for a long time. I could hear you, but you could not hear me. Yeah, I I didn't see your uh, line. I saw your number pop up on the screen. Uh, It says 13 minutes ago. I just saw your your hand on the line. We have you now. Um, Let's see. I'm sorry for this. I don't know. I sent you emails too. I said I can hear you, but you cannot hear me. And you know, and I gave you my number to call me. But I'm outside of the country, you know, so that may make things a bit more complicated. But I'm I'm happy to be with you, and I apologize, you know, for all of this. Right on, right on. Glad we were able to get you in. I know we have some parents who will be. Uh appreciative uh, to be able to get in a few questions uh, about homeschooling, which is super important. We've had such a disruptive uh, year on so many fronts. Um, Certainly the school component is an important one Uh, for parents. I'll give out the number again. If you all have questions and we're patient enough to hang in through it all 2020, man, oh man, patience and a whole lot of that. Uh, The number again, 720-716-7300. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Number again seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one. If you would like to participate, uh, joining us live, uh, I, well, what part of the world are you dialing in from, Dr. Mazama? I am in the Caribbean. I'm in Guadeloupe right now. Wow. Wow. Joining us live from the Caribbean. Guadeloupe. I'm sorry? Yes, Did... yes, yes. Joining okay, us yes. live. From the Caribbean, Dr. Uh, Ama Mazama. Again, she was with us before uh, in 2016, spring of 2016, and talked about homeschooling, the importance of it, uh, the benefits of it for black parents and black children, uh, and not just doing the talking, uh, homeschooling her own children. She went into detail uh, about what motivated her to homeschool her own children, uh, talking about having them in a private school at first and some of the difficulties with that and why she ended up making uh, that transition. Uh, I guess I'll ask really quick with with the uh, COVID-19 situation, how has that impacted you and your family? I know when we spoke before, you said you had uh, your child had a soccer game yesterday, so I guess you all still have some activities? Yes, 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 yeah, the soccer practice, and, uh, well, you know, in Guadalupe, things were going well enough with the COVID because we had a very strict confinement for two months, and then, you know, um, the virus started up when the confinement ended, then everything started really going um, the wrong way again, so you know, they started confining some aspects of our lives again. and uh, But, you know, we still managed to, to move around and, you know, take care of most of our business. 
And I myself, the impact, the bad impact on my family is that we decided to, uh, you know, move to Guadeloupe. Um, I knew enough about the state to know that things would not go well, you know, uh, <laughs> with the cold feed, and, and, and I feel that, you know, civil war might even ensure, you know, because Americans are not, I mean, necessarily used to uh, difficulties, you know, so... Um, I, I, I thought that it would be a good idea for us to just relocate in, in Guadeloupe, and that's what we did. So we've been here for almost six months. And in terms of the education of my, my children, you know, that's the beautiful thing about homeschooling. Really, we didn't really skip a bit, you know, because we were used to uh, studying at home and, you know, doing, doing the education at home. So it didn't really disturb us that much at all. And I guess, I guess that's one of the advantages, uh, that regardless of what goes on in the society, you can, you know, educate your children. Oh. Now, that is fascinating. I don't think we've heard uh, that type of report, COVID-19 thus far, someone saying that they had a suspicion things were not going to go well in the States and decided to relocate. Uh, out of the country and have kind of watched from afar. Uh, what, I guess, how has the response in Guadeloupe, how has it been to COVID-19? Have they had lots of problems or lots of restrictions uh, in, in your area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, it's a French territory. So the French government was a bit slow responding, you know. When I say territory, I should say it's a French colony, really. That's where we are. Um like Puerto Rico is an American colony, you know, so, uh, but once they got themselves together, basically they enforced a strict confinement. We just could not go out of our homes unless it was to go to the supermarket not far. And right now, so for two months, and if they cut you out of your house for, for a reason that you could not justify, then you would get a hefty fine of something like $150. And, um, now um, the wearing a mask is mandatory everywhere except you know if you go to the beach there of course you don't have to wear a mask but other than that on the street anywhere outside of your home you have to have a mask and again if you don't then you can get a $150 fine so they are very serious you see about about um, containing the pandemic um, but as I said you know despite this you know, with Triple House now, you know, things were going well, and now things have started not going so well, maybe because they opened the borders. And so you have people with, you know, coming in with a virus and basically reintroducing it in, in our midst. So that's not so good. But, you know, hopefully things will abate a bit. And with everybody wearing a mask now, they said this. Uh, you know, there's a decrease already in the number of cases because people are wearing masks everywhere. So, you know, hopefully things will uh, get under control. But unlike the U.S., you know, they, they will enforce the confinement and enforcing the wearing a mask. It's not like, you know, whether you feel like wearing or not. And, and I want to say it's difficult because it is hot here. This is a tropical country, so wearing a mask all the time can be really... Uh, over there, you know, so sometimes we can't even really breathe. And, uh, but we still have to do it, and we do it. Oh, okay. 
very different than the U.S., uh, where they have had daily yes, reports of universities, colleges, uh, sororities, and fr- white sororities and white fraternities having parties every day and no $150 fines for them that I've heard. Free white and 21. Uh, we do have some cows listeners even. Who, it's very, it's very they're spreading the vows. They're making other people sick. You know, that's very irresponsible. But this is what you have in, in, in a society where the culture says that individuals have rights and no obligations. You see no moral responsibilities. So you have that. You have people who are totally careless and reckless and who don't care about what might happen to other people as a result of their, you know, indulging in things that they really could uh, refrain from engaging in. So that, that's why, you know, I left the U.S. I really didn't want to be around that type of behavior and attitude. Some of our listeners uh, here at the Cows uh, do not think uh, that the COVID-19 situation is authentic. Uh, they think that some aspect of this, or maybe many aspects of this, have been manipulated. They do not believe the reports about the uh, the infections, the viruses' impact on black people uh, here in the U.S. Uh, from where you're located, have you seen any reason to doubt the reports uh, about the COVID-19's impact on black people specifically or how the virus is spreading in the U.S.? Well, I'm, I'm outside of the U.S., so, you know, it's difficult for me to speak, but I see the impact that the virus has on black people here. I mean, we are a black country primarily, predominantly, you know, and, and there are black people dying, um, you know, people who die, people get very sick. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think we have to be reasonable, you know, and, and be very vigilant, you know, assuming that the numbers are exaggerated, assuming, you know, uh, we still have to be very careful and, and do the best we can to take it seriously. Have said that from the beginning. Be- take it serious. Yeah. Be, yeah. be be vigilant. Uh, before I nab some of the parents who dialed in who have hands up to see if they have specific questions they would like to ask you, any resources that you could uh, recommend. Do you have any? Uh, suggest, or I guess you've already voted one. Uh, if some, if folks were coming to you and saying, Doctor Mazama, I'm not sure. Do you think it's safe to have a child in school right now, uh, where they're going to be in groups and things, going to research? Do you think this is safe, or should we really be thinking about pulling our children out of school? You would say. I, I would tell them to pull them out of school. I don't know how schools, you know, can be safe. I really don't see it. You know, I really don't see it. I mean, it's, it's only it's only a matter of time, you know. It's only a matter of time. And then, you know, for some children, then it may be, it may be too late. I mean, some of the children may have asthma, you know, situations like that. And that could really take, uh, go really the wrong way and take a turn for the worse. Um, I would not send my, I'm a homeschooling my children, but even if I did not, I, I would not send them to school, you know. I would send them to school, like, you know, to be in the same, you know, closed space, you know, with other children, adults, for long hours. Um, I, I would not do it. I really would not do it. You know? 
I can see outdoor activities, but I, you know, inside I, I don't see it. And I would not recommend that parents, you know, do this. If you were getting pushback, uh, either from the child, from the child, or from the parents, saying, you know, hey, they those activities, you know, I got uh, a junior in high school or something, and they want to do prom, or they're in athletics and that type of thing, or clubs, and they really want to be there. They don't want to miss out on those activities before they get ready to graduate, and they think that outweighs whatever potential risks they might be. You would say. I think that's irresponsible. I really do. You know, and then and I think it's a life lesson for, for our children to explain to them these are extraordinary times. This could be an opportunity to study, you know, pandemics in world history, you know, and understand the impact that those health crises, social crises, whatever crises have on, on, on you know, on communities. I mean, I would turn this into into a learning moment and I have with my children, right? We research this one and what it is that we're experiencing and, and, you know, which way could it go and, you know, how do you people respond, you know? Um, because life, life, you know, life is, is a lesson. That's the greatest lesson we can get from life itself. So turn this into an opportunity. But, I mean, what is a prom? I mean, what, what is a club? I mean, you know, when you think about how serious and, and the implications, the long-term implications this will have. I mean, you know, just the fact that we now we spend so much time in front of screens, you know, uh, one of the reasons I was a bit late is because I was teaching. You know, I'm, I'm teaching now online. I teach at Temple University, and all of the classes are online. And it really changes the, the, the relationship. It changes the whole, you know, experience, teaching experience, um, you know, for a professor and, and the learning experience, I'm sure, for the students. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that even when the pandemic is over, that this will, this, you know, this mode of, of delivery will, will remain, you know. And so, so there are changes um, that are taking place before our, our very eyes and that we should pay attention to instead of, of, of thinking about things that are really, in my opinion, quite silly, um, you know, like proms and, and, you know, clubs and things like that. I mean, sorry, our children should be engaged in aesthetics. That's why, you know, my son does talk about, again, it's for one hour outdoors and the children are not in close contact. There's no shaking, handshaking or hugging or anything like that. Uh, you know, and they have to have a mask when they come in and they have to have a mask when they leave. Uh, so you just be very careful. And, and I think that the young people need to understand the seriousness of, of the situation, and the parents really need to insist, you know, that these are not normal times, and so normal behaviors cannot, just cannot uh, happen. Logic uh, from Dr. Well, Mother and Dr. Ama Mazama joining us live from Guadalupe. Uh, if we have parents, you have questions. Uh, if you're trying to transition to homeschooling your child to keep them safe in the midst of all of this and have uh, questions uh, with like resources or just tips uh, from someone who has done this for years, kept her children safe uh, and advocates this extremely for black parents, dial in uh, the number seven. 
one six seven excuse me seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate number again seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate uh we had one black parent uh who is also a child care provider. Uh, and I said, I'm going to ask Dr. Mazama this one because it was a tough question. I thought, and we were having, a, we were having a tough time just trying to process through it. Uh, this black mother, child care worker, she said that they work with very young children, like one to six years old, mostly white parents, mostly white children. And she said, the owner of the child care facility is a black female they sent out a letter to all the parents. You know, we got this health care crisis and we're trying to keep everybody safe. Your children and our workers, uh, please make sure that your children have masks on. Uh, we're going to be distancing so the children aren't, you know, running around touching everybody and that type of thing. And she said that they have had so much pushback from white parents. She said that they had a number of white parents who uh, just removed their child from the facility altogether because <clears throat> They don't believe that COVID-19 is real. So their children are not going to wear a mask and they're going around touching everybody and all the rest. Uh, she said that some of the children that they still have, same thing. They don't want to wear a mask. They don't distance. Their parents come in and say, ah, the Rona is fake. They just made that up, you know, to attack our president, Donald Trump, four more years. Uh, what would you suggest for someone who's in that sort of work environment and you've got children, they're leaving. She said, you know, parents are taking their children out because they don't want to abide by these rules. And then the children that are staying, she said a lot of them, they're not following the rules. What would you suggest? I, I, you know, I'm not sure, but I guess I, I would say to myself, if the parents don't want to protect them, their children, you know, at least as, a, as the worker, you know, the workers should protect themselves from those children. Uh, you know, this is so, you know, I think only in America can you have this type of, of attitude and behavior. This is all where it's trying. And this is also this arrogance, you know, this really typical white arrogance that they're above, you know, what affects everybody else. And it's so interesting because they were so quick to predict that millions and millions of black people around the world would die, you know, and, and it's happening to them, and they're still in denial. You know, and, and I think that's, to me, that's one of the big lessons of this this, uh, this crisis, you know, that it has almost like a humiliation for white people. And they just don't want to admit it, you know, admit that, you know, as long as they've played God, you know, and tried to convince everybody else and themselves that they were above everything else, that they could, you know, do what they please, you know, go to Mars, go to the moon, you know, defeat death itself. Then here you have this invisible, you know, entity that has been spreading chaos and that has really undermined uh, greatly this whole arrangement, you know, that they had really put together, you know, the, the, the way they function their societies, you know, their Wall Street and everything else, you know, that this wealth that is built from 
consumption, that all this would just collapse like this, you know, and with them totally incapable, incapable of doing anything about it. So their response is simply to deny it because they're capable of winning, you see? And so, so but this is insane. This is truly insane. I would, if, if the kids don't wear masks, I would wear one and I would wear gloves and, uh, you know, that, that, that's what I would do, you know, because we never thought that we, we were invis- invisible, you know, only white people believe that, but the, the virus is showing them otherwise and the whole world is looking, you know, now it's very interesting because my children were telling me that Many of the kids that they, they befriend here in Guadeloupe before, you know, fantasized about going to the U.S. And now they all see that they have no desire, no desire, you know, to go to the U.S. And you know how Trump, you know, was very debasing and, and called, you know, African countries and Haiti uh, shithole countries. And now they think that the U.S. is a shithole country. You know? So... Yeah, it, it's so interesting how everything is being basically placed upside down, and I think this really virus is going to precipitate the downfall of, of white supremacy, and we will get some relief, you know, from this white racism that has really been creating chaos around the world. Let us all hope so. Um, we said the same thing to the yeah, fe- to the uh, female worker, protect yourself, which she said she was doing, by the way, wearing gloves, wearing masks because she wants to protect her family, too. She has offspring, so she's trying to do everything she can to make sure that she's safe and uh, enforcing safety as best she can uh, in the facility. But woof, um, protect yourself. And we were saying, hey, maybe you should look for another job because that just sounds really untenable uh, moving forward, especially if this is going to be for the rest of the year, if they're going to have the parents and children are going to have that sort of attitude. But we shall see uh, for folks who dialed in uh, with a question for Dr. Mazama. See if we can nab our parents, uh, our caller at nine four oh one nine four oh one. If you have a question for Dr. Mazama, you should be with us. <clears throat> Hello, good evening. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay. Hi. Um, my question is, uh, do you know where I can get like uh, resources? I mean, like maybe like uh, free learning programs for a child age six, and where I can find like um, a syllabus for like uh, a child around uh, yeah, same the same age. Because I'm it's I'm I'm finding it very difficult to know uh, what exactly. Or where my child should be at this age. Um, if you can help me with that, I really appreciate it. And my, my second question is, do you know any good children books on white supremacy? And that's it. Thank you. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I don't know any good book on white supremacy. I think white supremacy is something that you really have to talk to your child about and, you know, and, and point examples of this, and God knows they are so many examples of white supremacy, you know, starting with the uh, white, you know, children on serial boxes and all the white princesses, you know, and all that stuff. I mean, there's no, 
there is no shortage of illustrations of white supremacy. Um, in terms of, of uh, a syllabus and, uh, you know, free program, this is what I personally did when I started uh, out with homeschooling, and that was about, uh, that, was, that was quite a while. That was about 17 years ago when I started homeschooling. Uh, my first son, who is now 25, since I didn't know what I was doing exactly, and I had no idea, I I found a book, um, and there are several of them, and I got that from the library, and I'm sure you can find that online, uh, telling me what, uh, I don't know what grade was, let's say second or third grade should know, you know, third grader should know. And, and I looked, you know, every topic, and so that gave me an idea, right? That gave me an idea you know, about where, what he should be learning. Of course, I did not follow that exactly, but it was reassuring because I think one of the main uh, worries that we have when we homeschool our children is that we don't want them to, quote-unquote, fall behind, you know. We don't want them to accumulate lacunas such that, you know, they wouldn't be able to, you know, if they should go to school, back to school, they wouldn't be able to, to function. So I know that that's a source of anxiety for many parents. So that's what I did. And I think if you go online, even, you know, like for the state you live in and you feel so-called comments and something like that, you can use that as a guide. But remember, the beautiful thing about, about educating your child, and I don't even like to use the word homeschooling so much, but I think there's a the difference between schooling and education. And we're really trying to give an education to our children, not to school them. Otherwise, we would send them to school. Uh, but, you know, you, you have a lot of freedom. So I, I know that I, I, I just use that as some type of guideline. But I knew, for example, my child had to learn to read, right? He had to read. So, but they didn't tell me what he had to read. That's when, you know, the, 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 the power of, of medication comes in because you can choose what your child will, will read. And I made sure that my child read books written by people who looked like him. And that in the books, you know, there were you know, children's books that the illustrations, you know, portrayed black children like himself. And, you know, lots of African story books. There is no shortage of that. So I, I really went out of my way to, to find, you know, those books. Um, and, and, and so on and so forth. So the history, you know, they had to do social studies. Then... You know, you 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 decide what it is that that is important to for you, you know, for your child to learn. Like I'm giving you an example. Um, I'm homeschooling or educating my last one. Now he's 15, and you know, he told me he was interested just in a conversation that you know he was asking about cool, and I said, you know, then we're going to study cool, and so. Um, he's doing a research project on the coup that took place in Mali uh, a month or so ago, and he has to do so give me a report on service so we can discuss it. And so uh, you know, you you really you really um, use this this time you know with your child to really create your own syllabus. You create your own curriculum. Right? What is important for you? What do you think your child should know? And what does your child 
What does your child say that he wants to learn or she wants to learn about? It's very important as well. I've, I've always been extremely attentive to my children in that regard because I know that if this is something they're interested in, then the whole learning process will be extremely pleasant, uh, pleasurable for them and for me as well. And they will remember, you know, because, again, they are interested. So... There is no free program that I know of, and I would not encourage you to look for one. Either I would encourage you to make up your own program of studies for your child. You know, and there are plenty of resources out there, especially on the internet. I mean, there's plenty, plenty of stuff. And you type a, you know, you uh, type of topic, and you'll see so many things come up, and you have to sort through, you know, see what you want to use, not use, and so on and so forth. So it takes a little time, but in the end, it's definitely worth it, you know, because it, it, it becomes a very beautiful journey that you take with your children. Much obliged. Our female caller, hope that is helpful. We talked about children's books on white supremacy before. Super important. Let's see. Our caller, the black African, the black African should be with us if you have a question. Uh, yeah, I have a, I have a couple questions. I was wondering, um, well, thank you. Thank you, Gus. Thanks for taking my call. Um, like, I was wondering about when to, like, education as a whole, like, when to talk with your, and how to talk with your offspring about education as a whole. Like, um, like for example, let's just say they're doing math, like, certain concepts in math, like, how the exams are made and how it's really like, basically it's like a white supremacist education system, but at the same time, not discourage them. Um, when do you like, do, did you tell your kids about that? And when did you do that? And how did you make sure not to discourage them from being, or like from pursuing education or education excellence? Well, I uh, thank you for your question. You know, um, I think I explained the, the the good thing somehow is that all of my children actually went to school. You know, they wanted to have that experience, and I thought that it would be much better if they had it. That way, they could see for themselves what schooling was like. And they all went, I have three children, they all went to an Afrocentric school or school, because I, I, I would have never sent my children to anything else, so, you know, so to minimize the impact of schooling. But, of course, uh, like I explained, you know, four years ago, um, it really wasn't that, that easy. And at some point, you know, my son went to school for three years, my daughter for two years, and my youngest one for one year. And he couldn't wait for that one year to be over. It was just kindergarten. We just couldn't wait. So they all went and all experienced schooling and, and did not really care for it, you know. And so we could reflect, you know, as they were going through it, you know, on what was wrong with that whole experience. You know, why why wasn't it enjoyable? Um, 
you know, and and that's where the conversation starts because then the decision was like, you know what, you're not going back to school and I don't want to go back to school. And so, you know, from that moment on, you know, we, we, we start talking about the difference between schooling and education. And my children, you know, all say that when they have children, they will keep them at home as well, that they will not surrender them to the school system. So you also have to, you know, in, in, engage in what I call political education. You know, what is schooling about? And the children are intelligent. They, they understand. And, again, you give them examples. And then they have children, friends who go to school and who share their stories, most of them horrible, with them, and, and their friends envy them, you know, for not going to school. One thing that has always struck me that, you know, children are never asked or rarely if they like going to school. You know, I, I would love to see a poll and see if the kids really like going to school. And well, when you see how happy they are when there's a snow day, how happy they are when the teacher is not around, it makes you wonder, you know, how do they really feel about going to school? And so this conversation, you know, I had, I had, I've had very early on with my children just to explain why, again, school really wasn't that pleasant of a place, how it disrupted our family life, how it, you know, may cause us to be sleep-deprived, how, you know, it really ruined our evenings because there's so much homework to do all the time, um, you know, and so on and so forth. And, and again, they were all going to an African you know, Afrocentric school, at least the school that claimed to be Afrocentric. So I didn't even have to deal with them learning things that were totally irrelevant. But if on top of it we had had that, that would have really been, you know, just horrible. Um, thank you so much. Um, also, have you been to, to Haiti? I go there all the time. Okay. I have a, I guess I'm wondering, um, maybe a few years back I went to, to Haiti and um, I'm wondering about like the, and, and I visited some, um, some schools. I mean, there were some schools that were, that were, that seemed good. I, I thought some of the schools that seemed good, they seemed to be sponsored by, um, white people or the school was started by white people and I guess I'm wondering about Guadalupe as well like how, how would you compare the two because I've never been to Guadalupe but I've been to Haiti in terms of like education I'm just wondering like how education is in the Caribbean and just other you know, just other parts of the world and like your assessment of Haiti and how does it compare to Guadalupe and just yeah. your overall assessment of well, education yeah, yes, thank you. That's a very good question as well. The the, the educational uh, situation in Haiti is just terrible. It's just terrible because uh, 90% to 95% of the schools in Haiti are in the hands of Christians. And most of the schools are actually funded, you know, by white, you know, missions. Um, the curriculum is, is totally um, dislocated. Uh, it, it's just terrible. It is just terrible. And that's why um, my organization, Afrocentric International, we uh, started an Afrocentric school, or we don't want to call it a school, we call it a, a learning center, 
you know, and it's a holistic learning center. Um, we started, began that uh, in, in January of 2020. Uh, and to really propose, start proposing an alternative because it's just, it is just horrible. You know, the children have to learn by rote, by memorize all kinds of things that that have nothing to do with them. Let me just give you an example. Uh, can you imagine that in a country like Haiti, where the average temperature is probably something like 90 degrees, that the children actually learn that there are four seasons in Haiti? You know. They learn that there's a fall in Haiti, winter, spring, and summer, which is totally false. They have two seasons, like here in Guadeloupe, a dry season and a rainy season. Yet, because the, it's modeled, their educational curriculum model is modeled after the West, then they learn that there are four seasons in Haiti. And so you have those little Haitians waiting for snow to fall. You know, and, and what it does to you psychologically is, is terrible and cultural, you know. Um, and because of, of the schools are in the hands of, of Protestants or Catholics, then, of course, the religion of the children, their spiritual system, voodoo, is much, um, um, you know, is grossly misrepresented, and, and the children are made to, to be ashamed of it and, and hide who they are, right, to the point that, the children of, of voodoo priests or priestesses may not even be able to attend school, some schools, because of the anti-voodoo fanaticism. So it's very serious. In Guadeloupe, the situation is not much better, but we have public schools. But of course, public schools are French government schools, so the children really don't learn much about themselves either, right? Um, and so wherever we are, African people, we really need to, to, to set up, you know, institutions that reflect who we are culturally, that will affirm us. And, and that's why we have to really rethink even this notion of a school, you know. Uh, we, we really must look at education as, as a more holistic process so we don't just develop the brain, the cognitive function of the brain, but also the spiritual aspect, the the, the, the moral aspect, uh, the physical aspect, you know, a holistic process that we can call education. I think that's very, very important. So both Haiti and Guadeloupe and, I, I would dare say, the whole African world really needs to rethink what we mean by education. And we need to stop using white people's definition of education because theirs is not a real education. And theirs is, you know, this focus, exclusive focus on the academic part, you know, at the expense of, you know, everything else. And so that, that the product, the end product is a very limited, truncated human being. Uh, and, and that's not what education is about. It's not, not in the African book. Um, thank you, Doctor, and thank you, Gus. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Much obliged, the Black African. Uh, let's see. Retired firefighter in Florida. Did you have a question for Dr. Mazama? You should be with us, retired firefighter. Greetings, Gus. Greetings to the guests. Uh, no, uh, I, I don't have any uh, 
questions. I'm just listening in right now. Uh, uh, I do have a uh, student, uh, but he is in uh, on the collegiate level. Uh, but I just would lastly, lastly say that I would have seriously considered it uh, if he was uh, in grade school during this point in time. That's for sure. And I would be getting some firsthand advice from the kids. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, thank you. Much obliged, retired firefighter. Nine zero two nine nine zero two nine. Did you have a question for Doctor Mazama? Uh, yes, may I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, yes, uh, greetings callers and uh, listeners, and greetings doctor. Um, one of the uh, two questions, one of them being, it's it's been difficult um, keeping my son focused when he's on his laptop. I've noticed that he tends to drift a little bit and start to, as they say, for lack of a better analogy, like go down the rabbit hole. Like he'll start looking at YouTube videos, he'll start wandering off looking at um, pictures and images. And I, I tend to have to be literally over his shoulder quite often, making sure that he's not drifting and, and going off task. Um, that's one question. And the second one is uh, physical activities. Program well organized, and that's gonna be his physical activity. Well, do you have any any other suggestions or anything I should be mindful of? As I'm sure you're somewhat dealing with the same thing, and that's all I have for now. Yeah. So, so let me ask you something. When you say that he's drifting away when he's on the computer, is he? Does he go? Why, why is he so? Why is he so much on the computer? Is it uh, that he's doing online uh, work? What is, what's going uh, on? Yes. Yes, that is correct. He'll be doing online schoolwork, and he actually starts tomorrow. Okay, so it's like the, the cyber school situation? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's difficult because you're right, it's very tempting, right? It's very, very tempting. Um, you know, again, you, I guess you just have to keep um, to keep watching him, and and you know, and also maybe maybe have serious conversations with him about the negative impact, you know, of, of, of this, you know, cyber, you know, addiction, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that's that's really not not the best situation, and I'm I'm not sure what to tell you other than you know remaining vigilant and and demanding that. You know, you stay focused, uh, doing the best you can, and then trying to limit as much as you can his time, you know, on the computer. Yeah. It's not good for his brain, it's not good for his posture, it's not good for his eyes. Uh, but I know it's yes. very difficult. I mean, I sit with my own children, you know, I see the difference between my oldest one who's 25 and my younger one who's 15. And I know, you know, my 15-year-old spends much more time on the computer than his brother did because, you know... Mm. When my oldest one was, you know, being educated at home, the computer, you know, computers were not so so prevalent, and we we spent more time really interacting, and and also the thing is that there are so many resources, you know, on on the internet now. You know, when I see when I started educating 
home educating, you know, comparing to now, it's a totally different world. Totally different world. Mm-hmm. I had to work much harder, you know, 17 years ago than I have now. If, if I want to, you know, like dangling modifiers, that's what we're doing right now, I can just put that in there, you know, type it up and then worksheets, free worksheets, and I'll have like tons of worksheets coming up. You know, which is great because then, you know, I can print stuff out or I can give him some. You know, you also have a lot of online quizzes, mm-hmm. things like that that you can use to reinforce, mm-hmm. you know, the lesson. But, of course, the, the the danger is that, you know, along with the online quizzes, then you have a whole host of other things, like you were saying, videos, images coming along, and, and that's, uh, you know, that's very difficult. That's very difficult. Mm-hmm. We just do the best we can, you know? And then your yes. second question was about, you know, um, athletic activities. Then by all means, you really should be physically active. And I think that, that that would be a way of keeping him away from the computer. And you should do as much, you know, as possible. Always, of course, keeping in mind that there should be social distancing and, and, and so forth. So maybe things like tennis. You know, I don't know if you would be interested in playing tennis if that's an option, but that that could be, a, a, you know, something that he could um, do as well, you know. Yes, that, that's sure interesting you that. say that. Those are the two sports, is tennis and um, soccer, that he, that he has the main interest in. So I've been trying to foster that. Um, yeah. The, the other thing I, I wanted to make a comment um, that you spoke about earlier is just having conversations with him about COVID before everything really started to take place and we went into lockdown. I'm here in in New York City. He actually, we sat down and had a conversation with him and asked him what he knew about it. And he told me, and this is so important, I'm saying this for other listeners as well, is that he said to me that, well, you know, because we have melanin, we don't actually get sick like everybody else. And... (laughs) Let's just say the conversation went on for quite some time after that before the um, before we were done explaining a lot of things and giving him some facts instead of I don't know where he got that information from instead of his friend. But um, I just thought to to throw that in because I think that was one of the most important things I I had to get across of how serious uh, the situation is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think in the beginning we were saying that because we could see it was mostly white people and somehow we rejoiced over that. But then, you know, we start realizing that it wasn't so easy, and that we too, you know, uh, were falling and become sick with the, the virus. So, but I, I really believe that talking is key, you know. And we can, I talk to my children about everything. I really do. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I realize that it's much better to talk about things seriously instead of thinking that they're not ready. Uh, because when we're not talking to them, someone else is and filling up their heads, you know, with the things that we don't suspect, but you know, will have a negative impact on their ideas and their behaviors. So that's why we mm-hmm. we really need to be in constant conversation with them about serious issues, COVID, you know, and white supremacy, you know. And thank, thank you, Doctor. You're very welcome. Context of white supremacy. Much obliged for your caller, sir. Uh, if any other parents, if you have 
questions you want to make sure you get in, suggestions, craziness that we're dealing with to help your child maximize their academic development, the number is 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, before I nab some of the other folks, that screen time component is I just wanted to touch on that again. I think that's really critical. Uh, I know before all of this, uh, people had talked about, you know, watch that screen time really important and get them outside and that sort of thing. And I mean, now it seems like the total opposite uh, on the West Coast. You can't go outside at all. Uh, because of the fires and the air hazards and all of that. Uh, but even for folks who are not here, uh, if they're doing the remote learning, it seems like it's going to be a lot more time on a screen. If it's the Zoom calls and all the rest of it, just can you talk if that ends up having to be where that's going to be for some children? I'm sure that's what their calendar year is going to look like for school from now until June being at that screen, being at that tablet, typing away or Zoom conferences. Just can you talk about what type of impact sitting in front of that computer for six, seven months could have on a child? Yep. It is a terrible situation. And that's why we really have to um, make a concerted effort to um, to be physically active and do other things about our children, you know. We can dance, can sing, we can do many things with them, talk to them, talk with them. Hmm. Context of white supremacy. Wow. Tons to manage. Just for, I, I know for some of our parents, like I said, the educating your child at home, kind of a different environment. I know for a lot of folks, school is normally starts right at the beginning of the day. The work that you've done with your children, like what does a typical day of education look like for your offspring? Like, does it start first thing in the morning or what does the, the routine look like for you? Oh, well, we do not start first thing in the morning because my children are not early risers. And um, honestly, since we've been in Guadeloupe, we've been, probably because things have been a bit, you know, um, upside down because of the, uh, you know, confinement that kind of destructured, you know, our regular routine. But I say that um, we would have breakfast between 9 and 10. And then, um, and then, you know, start doing some work, depending on the day. Um you know, when the, um, the, my, my, I'm only I'm only educating one child now. My daughter started college this fall, and uh, so with my younger one, uh, you know, we sit down in the living room after breakfast, and um, again, depending on the day, today we did language arts, um, so we worked maybe maybe for one hour. Uh, did some um, practice, you know, practice uh, exercises on something we already worked on yesterday. 
And um, then I gave him the rest of the day to work on some projects. As I was saying, he's doing research on the recent coup in Mali. So um, he has he has to give me the report on Thursday, so I give him time to work on that. He's also reading Black Skin, White Masks. Uh, we are due to discuss the third chapter. We've already discussed chapter one and chapter two. So on Thursday, we will discuss the... Uh, Interrelationships between, or interracial relationships between um, black men and white women. So he has to read that, uh, and um, you know, so we can have a discussion on Thursday. And then um, he also submitted a poem for a writing contest. So he will. I give him some time to do this. So you know, he's very autonomous. Um, and he's also working on the vocabulary because he's going to have a vocabulary quiz on Friday. So he was, you know, working on that. So, you know, it's, it's not it's not like we sit down and, and, you know, for hours and hours on. We do some work together, and then, you know, he knows what he has to do for the rest of the week because I give him deadlines and, you know. Uh, so that's, that's how our days are typically are, you know. Uh, loosely structured, but there's a lot nonetheless going on and happening. And then he wanted to go out and and ride his bike later on in the afternoon, and he did that. He went for a bike ride. And then, um, then I think he's in his room now doing some reading. And that's that's the way that's the way things go. Wow. Lots of freedom. Uh, it can be a totally different experience. I've heard that from other folks, too, where you don't have to start at the beginning of the day. Uh, I remember that myself having to get up at six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, all that <sighs> missing out on quality rest and being tired the first two classes of the day. Yep. Like it can be a yep. totally different experience. Uh, free. You don't have to be stuck reading whatever book they assign. Like, oh, Frantz Fanon, you have an interest in that. Oh, interest in coups. Right on. Interest in aviation. Totally tailored. It could be totally way better. Um, yeah, for your for your child where they can re- really enjoy. Did you have more to add? Excuse me? Oh, I just said, did you have more to add? No, 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 and uh, tomorrow, um, tomorrow. in fact, we probably won't do much work at all because we have to go to town because uh, my daughter is in a band, so she's the lead singer in a band, um, in a Caribbean jazz band, so we'll go, we're going to go listen to her and run some errands. In the evening, he has, uh, you know, more soccer practice, so, you know, tomorrow is going to be a chill day. Um, and, and he knows that, so you know he can plan ahead to make sure that on Thursday he's ready to give his reports, and on Friday he's ready for his vocabulary quiz. You know, um, so I, I personally like it like that. There's no stress, you know. There's no anxiety. Learning is not something that is forced down your throat. It's something very natural, you know. And we have a lot of conversations about, you know, about everything, you know, because we eat meals together. We have the time to cook meals. 
that's part also of the education that they have to cook, you know, um, and they do cook, and we eat together. And so there's there's it's a stress free life as much as much as life can be stress free, you know. Um, so you know, I I would not trade it for anything. And I remember when they were going to school, um, it was it was a very different experience. Especially my younger one, he was always exhausted, um, never had enough sleep. And the evening again, there was this homework, and um, it was not pleasant. And you start thinking that this is, if this is learning, then I really don't want to learn. But it is not. That's schooling. It's different. You know. Context of white supremacy. Massively important. Our guest, Dr. Ama Mazama, joining us live from Guadalupe uh, and even just emphasizing that difference between schooling and education uh and like i said having your child maintain we talked about that last time maintaining that zest uh for education and curiosity and being happy about learning and not thinking of school or learning as a drag or having to read as being boring and oh i hate this this is the worst thing ever how to do these assignments like it does not have to be that way at all uh just for curiosity and shouldn't be, shouldn't be that Let's way. Mm-hmm. Did any of your, or I guess you, some of your children are older now, at least. Did your younger children, did any of them, were they bummed about leaving the States and, and going down to Guadalupe, like leaving their friends behind and everything? Or did they kind of understand your reasoning for wanting to make that change? Oh, yeah, they understood. And, and they don't want to stay either. You know, I mean, now, of course, it's a bit different because it's been almost six months, so there's you know, missing their friends, missing, you know, the home, but they also understand this is a very serious situation and that we are much better off where we are than we would be in, in, in Philadelphia for that matter, you know. So there's also this, this this understanding that this is a serious situation, you know, and that we are very fortunate that we were able to actually escape because that's how we see it, that we escaped, you know, that we got on the very last plane from the U.S. to Guadeloupe. There were only six people on the plane. And uh, so, you know, to understand that we have to be patient and uh, and appreciative of the fact that we had even the option of, of getting out. Escape. <laughs> to have that sort of language. Lucky yeah, we were. Yeah, escape. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's spelled. That's how we spelled. we and and my children's friends were just telling them how fortunate they were you know, to have escaped, you know, because things were just getting so much out of control and and gloomy in the state that you know. So. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a year! What a year! Escaping from yes. Pennsylvania! <laughs> my goodness. Context of white supremacy. Did uh, parent, any other parents that dialed in have any questions or folks uh, got their questions in, got their queries in? Any other tips, suggestions they're hoping to nab? Hi, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, hi. Um, thank you, doctor, for your response earlier. I have a, another question. Um, 
you know, when I was growing up, you know, I, learning was not, it was, it was not something that was enjoyed. It was not something that was fun. So it's kind of really hard to, I would say, deprogram myself to make learning fun and enjoyable, um, seeing that that was not my experience. Can you give me any advice on how I can do that, deprogram myself? Because I find that um, at times it's very frustrating. It's very stressful um, uh, to teach, you know, he's a toddler, you know, attention span, uh, you know, um, focus, <laughs> stuff like that that I think is important, you know, focus on your schoolwork. And, and um, you know, I, I was, I, I was uh, you know, it was very, I was, I was brought up um, very strictly when it comes to school and doing your schoolwork. So do you have any advice um, on that? I would really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, so so let me let me understand you. So you say you have a toddler now? Oh yes, so I have a three year old and a six year old. And I hope school okay. my three year old and uh my toddler my six year old is doing um distant learning. Okay. So so you're saying you don't find it enjoyable to to actually teach them, is that what you said? Yes, I find it a bit stressful <laughs> actually. But then, then you know, you should you should let them you should let them lead you into into the learning process in the sense that see what they would like to learn about, and and even if they cannot articulate this, you listen to them. What are they talking about? You know, and then you use that, you jump on that, and you 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 know you start having conversations, you start doing some research with them, and and. Of course, the three-year-old is very small, but but children are very curious, and it may not be, you know, a highly structured lesson and all that stuff. I think that would be really counterproductive, but something very hands-on and more informal. Um, I, I really like this notion that you know the world is your classroom, and I think when they are young, it's, it's, it's it makes a lot of sense to have that type of approach, you know, to encourage them to ask questions and and be inquisitive, you know. Uh, and this is very enjoyable. Just have, you know, don't think of it as learning, as teaching, but just having a conversation. You know, a butterfly flying around, and that's a conversation about butterflies and the whole cycle, you know, how you go from a larva to a, a caterpillar to a butterfly, you know. You don't, you don't have to think of it as, as something... Uh, dreary and something boring, you know, just think of it as life, you know, just even water running, what is water, what is, you know, just those conversations, and I think just to, to bring the joy back into, into, into learning, just through observation, through, you know, drawing conclusions, um, and, and and listening to your little ones asking questions, you know, and 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 taking joy in in what you know puzzles them and what what makes them happy to to talk about and get answers about. I think that's a very very beautiful. That's that's the part of the process that I enjoy the more. I think and learning with them because you know there are so many things we don't know. You know, like, why is the sky blue? Why is the water blue? Why is this? Why is that? And I'm like, 
I have to go find out so I can answer you. So in the process, you learn a lot. And you, I've heard a lot of homeschooling parents say that, that the joy of learning and growing with their children, you know, they found that really priceless. And I did too. And I do too. You know, like I'm looking forward to learning about the Queen Mali, you know, and my son is going to teach me and I'm going to learn. I will ask more questions. People have to do more research because I have questions that he cannot answer. But it's the process, you know, where where the child is also the teacher and the parent is, is also a student. And, and it brings parents and children close together. I mean, that's I have heard a lot, you know, this, this sharing of the learning process is, is something that really binds parents and children. So you should give it a try. Don't 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 think of it as something that has to be necessarily structured and formal. It doesn't, especially when they're young like that. It doesn't have to be. Thank you. I, I will reevaluate myself and um, I'll take uh, your advice. Yeah, Thank just you take it easy. You know, just relax and just. You know, especially when they're young like that. When my children were young like that, I, I, I don't think we spent much time sitting down at a desk. That was not my understanding of what it took or would take. You know, it was more like encouraging them to ask questions, to always be curious. And I think that's, that's the best you can do for them, encourage them to keep asking questions. Because the whole schooling system really stifles you know, questions. You're not supposed to ask questions. Or you only ask questions about what they want you to ask questions about. You're not supposed to ask questions about what is not in the book. You know, they told you you're going to learn about dinosaurs, and that's it. You're going to learn about dinosaurs. Um, you know? So I think we have to reinvent, you know, ourselves as we we teach our children and as we allow them to teach us as well. Thank you. You're very welcome. Context of white supremacy. That was I've heard that actually from a lot of folks who participate in homeschooling that they the parents or the person doing the teaching of the child that they ended up learning a lot too, just having to research and be prepared and then the child once you get that enthusiasm, that eagerness for learning back. The child can even share that with the parent where everybody is having a grand old time now that we don't have to be stuffy about all this and have it be some boring experience. And we got to get up at the crack of dawn when everybody is tired. Like once we get out of that, like, hey, everybody is having a great time learning new information. Uh, did any other parents comment yeah. question they want to get in really quick for Dr. Mazama? We nabbed everyone. Or everyone got their questions in? Grant will assume folks are all satisfied. If we have parents out there, if you have been thinking about it, making that switch over, saying maybe there is something better for my child's learning experience. Hopefully, in the midst of all of this ugliness and chaos, maybe this will kind of push you in that direction of there can be something better. You can be a part of that process and can help bring your child back to having that eagerness, that excitement for learning has been a hoot. Our guest for the evening, joining us live from uh, Guadalupe, Dr. Ama 
Mazama, uh, not only an educator, but someone who is walking the talk of educating her children at home and lots of grand results. We talked about that last time as well. Her children doing spectacular things in the world, loving the homeschooling. Glad she and they uh, escaped from Pennsylvania. Um, thank you so much for sharing a bit. Oh, wait a minute. Miss one person. Uh, our caller, uh, I think Vic on the Skype line. Did you have a question for Dr. Mazama? You should be with us. Oh, hi. Hi, doctor. Hello. Um, I'm from Canada. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges to people um, educating um, their children at home is that a lot of the people, a lot of the Norway people, they don't have enough of the education that they need for themselves to actually teach, teach their children don't you think a lot of the information that you that you need to teach your kid that you yourself have to know, like like you have to be like like a student yourself in order to uh, teach teach your kid? Yes, absolutely, and I think that's the that's the beauty of it because you learn so much because there's so much we don't know. You know, I realized that by I had gone to school for like twelve years and and how little I had actually known. You know, and so when I had to study some subjects with my children, I was at a loss, and I had really to go and learn, and 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 I've learned so much myself. But the beautiful thing is that there's so much information available. You know, and so I, I think that that you know, if parents say, you know, I don't want to do it because I don't know enough, I think this is really a bad faith argument. You know, we can really get information real quick. We can have the children actually look for the information themselves, and this is good because it makes them really autonomous. And this is one thing about children are educated at home. They really what they call autonomous learners, you know. We the parents we don't just spend like hours and hours, you know, with them looking over their shoulder what they're doing. We give them tasks, you know, that we've agreed upon and they complete their tasks. And it really serves them well when they go to college in particular, because you know, when you go to college there's no one telling you go to do your homework but because they've been used to working on their own so much, it, it, it's a natural habit that they have developed. So, you know, we we can find the information easily. You know, I mean, they're, they're, especially in the internet, there's there's so much. You know, there you have books online. You you can really look for it. Um, and now, I mean, again, I'm I'm amazed to see the difference between now and let's say 15 years ago when I started out, uh, you know, educating my children at home. Now you even get powerpoints all made, you know, that people have uploaded on, you know, whatever topic, and you just have to edit it, you know, to to tailor it to your needs. But a lot of work has already been done, and a lot is available, you know, so. I don't think parents should really say, you know, I can't, I can't do this because I don't know enough. And then we should not fool ourselves. How much do you think uh, school teachers know? You know, it's not to put them down, but, you know, you'll be amazed. You know, you'll be amazed uh, about how little they actually know. You know, they know how to uh, maybe keep students' records in good order, but I am not impressed myself, you know, with the intellectual level of most, uh, you know, the school 
teachers I have met, and I've worked as a consultant for many years in many states, I was as a matter of pretty, in fact, pretty appalled. And and I would come home and think to myself, you know, I, I, I'm really happy that my children are not going to school. Because if they had to be taught by these people who know so little and have so many prejudices, you see, I don't know what would happen to my children. You know, and I, not to put them down, I'm sure there are some wonderful teachers. I have met a couple, but for the most part, they're not. They're not impressive. And 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 so I think parents can can do at least as well as them, you know, with the difference that because these are our children, we care about them, we love them, and we want them to really do well, as opposed to teachers who may not have that really vested interest in our children. And this is a good opportunity, truly, a blessing in disguise in many ways. That you know we can do this, and we must do this because schools really destroy our children. Destroy. You know, the the sister who just called said, you know, she associates learning with something unpleasant, and this is the whole idea that it takes the joy out of learning. That we 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 think of all of this as something really laborious. When it doesn't have to be, you know, you have kids who don't who hate to read. You know, I mean, it's so sad. You know, I'm a college professor, and I see my students. I give them a book to read. First question they ask me: Do we have to read the whole book? Yes, you do. And they're like stunned. What an idea to read the whole book! And I'm thinking, this is so sad. What has happened to them? That the idea of reading a whole book is is, is disturbs them profoundly, and, and of course they don't read the book, you know. Um, so, but this, this is the result of 12, 13 years of schooling, you know. So, do, do, do we, you know, do we need this, and can we do better? I think we do, and I think we must. And, uh, and the last question, um, Doctor, how do we teach non-white people to think, not to think education is a school building that that every day that you live is a chance. It's it's an education experience. Like when you're walking on the street and you look up into the sky, you see the sky, it's an opportunity for to learning. When you speak with a stranger, it's a for learning. How how do we teach people not to think of school as as a building, but as an everyday living experience? You teach them by example. You see, when they see, when they hear the conversations you have with your children, when when they see the the curious spark in your children's eyes, you know. I remember my my oldest when we used to call him Mr. White. He asked so many questions, you know. But it was great. It was great. It was a challenge for us the parents because we had to you know find the answers. We don't know. That's when we realized how ignorant we actually were, you know. But we encourage them to keep asking questions. You know, question things. Question what you see around. Question, you know, why the white people have the big cars and we, you know, are the homeless people, you know, in central city Philadelphia, for example. You know, you question, you ask questions, you know. You don't take things for granted. And you, you encourage critical thinking. So you teach them by example. 
You know, that's, that's, that's my only answer. You know, when they realize, when they have conversations with your children and they see how curious or how intellectually engaged your children, uh, they, they can see that, that really what they thought education to be may not be, uh, may, may not be the best option, you see? So I, I don't believe in giving long lectures. I just believe in doing, and then people can see what you're doing, and they can draw the conclusions for themselves. You know, that's that's very important to walk the walk, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. That's how you become credible too, and then people start thinking that maybe I should do like that, maybe I should do like that, maybe I should give it a try. Thank you very much, Doctor. You're welcome. Grand. Uh, I think we nabbed all of our parents uh, for the evening. Uh, much obliged to Dr. Mazama for hanging in and answering questions uh, from our callers all over the world, Canada and the rest of the locations. Uh, hopefully aided some folks, hopefully aided and inspired some folks uh, get out there, do some educating at home uh, of your child. We do not. We have options. We do not have to send them off uh, to race soldiers, as she said, who don't even seem to be that informed to school our children and have them confused about what's happening in the world. So much obliged, uh, Dr. Mazama, for sharing some of your time and insight with us again, uh, hopefully inspiring some of our parents to uh, look at some better options to inspire their child's development uh stay safe and keep up the outstanding work uh with your children uh and the work that you're doing at temple uh down in guadalupe uh, i guess you're the lucky one got out of the danger zone uh, for the time being i guess we'll we'll try and hold it down and uh wish you the best down there in the caribbean yes i, I thank you so much for having me all right and uh, you yourself should keep safe and uh you know and we're staying connected much obliged, uh, Dr. Ama Mazama, live in Guadalupe. Thank you so much. Take excellent care, and we will uh, be in contact, ma'am. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Have a good night to everyone. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, and good night to yourself. Context of white supremacy. Woo. Uh, we will be here on Thursday. Uh, the book club, even that we had, she talked about having her child having to do book reports and things. And we had to study. We all had to do reports and what have you. She said her child, her uh, youngest child is doing the report on the coup in Mali right now. Like, man, my academic experience, if I had that type of freedom to, you can pick from things that are happening right now and do a project on that or she said black skin, white mask, you know, have her child reading that or some other book that I actually would be interested in reading. Totally different academic experience. Imagine if you could read the warmth of other sons instead of some of the nonsense I had to read great expectations and all this. Let's read warmth of other sons like, oh, man, totally different. Ac- I would have been excited. We got to read the whole book. Let's get to it. Anywho, uh, we'll be here on Thursday. I wish we were reading 
the warmth of other suns uh, again. But we are not. We are reading Cased, uh, which is written by the author of The Warmth of Other Suns, Isabel Wilkerson. Uh, so far, we've only done one session. It was not enjoyable for me. Lots of metaphors. Uh, seems like a type of book that is not particularly accurate about the system of racism, white supremacy. Uh, there are lots of books that are palatable to racists that describe or talk about racism in some way, but are not accurate, not going to upset individuals classified as white. It's seeming like one of those texts we'll have to see. Uh, we'll start uh, or we will resume on Tuesday or Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I think we're picking up on part two. Uh, we got the first few chapters or so uh, last week, but that'll be Thursday. Uh, Workplace Racism Friday, compensatory call in Saturday, and we should have our global Sunday talk on Sunday as well. So full week of programming here at the cows. And I think look at the calendar. Yep. Dr. Lathan, she should be here next Thursday. So broadcasting. She mentioned cooking as well. Getting her. We didn't do that either. Have cooking and proper food be a part of the academic program like i don't remember that either but anywho uh any of the parents uh who dialed in any thoughts observations they want to make sure uh they get it before we wrap things up uh thoughts on how this has impacted your education of your children if you are homeschooling or anything else about all of the upheaval we have experienced in 2020 uh feel free I just have a suggestion for one of the callers that was uh, talking about their child being distracted by, uh, I guess, YouTube. You could always block those sites. Um, I guess you can probably go to Google to figure out how to block the sites. You can always block the sites that's um, distracting the child. Uh, greetings. Uh, I was um, definitely doing that at certain points and in and, um, and certain points when he was learning. But the problem occurred when he wanted to access things that were like their tutorials in YouTube. Um, he's an illustrator, so there are tutorials in YouTube and other things that were actually constructive that I let him watch and get into. But then I would have to come back again and, and you know, make sure that he didn't go off and continually go off um, keel and just start doing other things on YouTube. Yeah, but I, but I actually have blocked a couple of other sites. I do use a tool that. Um, allows that. Um, thank you for mentioning that as well. Okay, you're welcome. I wish I could help more. <laughs> gonna help All right. Those trees. <laughs> thank you. Can be tricky. I heard some other folks, uh, not like on this broadcast, but just other parents uh, on other platforms were talking about all that and saying, man, it is tough. You have to sit there and <clears throat> spend all that time trying to watch them and make sure what are they watching what are they looking at are they playing video games and doing all the rest of it? like man <clears throat> it can be a task uh with all that screen monitoring uh any other uh parents observations thoughts they wanted to make sure they get in um i guess um i i asked her the the question about I guess Haiti and Guadeloupe, because um, yeah, I I think this homeschooling thing is, is the solution. Well, 
well, I don't know if I can say that, but I think it's a, it's a good alternative or um, a possible solution to a lot of educational problems because I I haven't been I have been to Haiti and um, well I've been here to in the U.S. and I've been to a lot of places in Southern Africa and I would say all of the the educational experiences that I've had and that I've seen are pretty bad um, and. And sometimes, like, when I'm at a, at a certain location, like, when I was hit in Haiti, I would try to think, like, like I would try to compare it to the U.S. schools and, like, Southern African places. And at the end of the day, I mean, there were there would be, like, subtle differences. Um, but overall, they're all poor. They're, they're all, they all have their own terrible attributes. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really happy about the program today and uh, I thank you and the doctor so yeah thank you bad school environments where they're going to be dark people that is a staple of white supremacy so yeah there's lots of room in terms of people that things or areas that we can work on education like anywhere in the world lots and lots to process. Even what she was saying about uh, folks in Haiti learning that there are four seasons and waiting on the snow in Haiti. Now, really? Even the folks in Florida, really? Like, winter? I don't know. It was 80 degrees when we were hanging out there at the end of December last year. Like, come on. Come on. Right there. That's why I said we said that. Dr. Welsing said that. What? waiting number one before you have those children but then it's lots to talk about before you have those offspring like lots and lots like what is our academic program for our child going to look like for the first 10 years have we talked about that have we looked at any schools in the area kindergarten daycare anything in the area have we talked about homeschooling have we thought about any of that all of that should be discussed before conception we haven't even included the Rona aspect and how that, you know, throws everything off. But just that alone, a whole lot of that. You might end up talking to somebody and find out that y'all have totally different views about education. They loved public school. They loved getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go to public school. Totally different views about what this should look like for your offspring. That is good to know before you get to the bedroom. Lots and lots and lots to chat about. Other folks have any thoughts they wanted to share? Grant, we'll assume folks are all good. Uh, Again, parents, I do not have offspring, but much to consider. I think they were talking about a potential strike in New York. I think that get, did get averted, but I mean, wow. Uh, I can only say uh, for parents, uh, you can uh, drop an email, Dr. Mazama. Uh, I'm sure she'd be willing to help out if you want to send her an email. If you have any questions, if you're listening like to the archives and something comes up, if you are motivated. I am certain there will be folks as the school year progresses and they kind of get an opportunity to see 
what this is going to look like. Like, do I want to really have my child in all of this until June or, you know, whatever? I mean, reconsider some options, man. You can drop an email. I'm sure Dr. Masama would be uh, willing to help out or encourage. Uh, just be really, really vis- vigilant uh, if you have your child in the school system right now when they're doing all the screen time and what have you and you feel okay with it. Just ask lots of questions. Check in with your child. That's what she said. Ask, how are you feeling about all this? Are you learning? Are you enthusiastic about all this? See what they say. Talk to your child. If not, might be a good time to look at other options. Anywho, as I said, we'll be here on Thursday uh, for Case Isabel Wilkerson uh, session number two. Neutralizing workplace racism on Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific and the compensatory call in Saturday, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Uh, with that, much obliged for the folks who tuned in. Hope it was worthy uh, of your Thursday evening. We had to have a little patience, hang in there for a minute, but we're able to pull it off. Hope we got some info that was of some value uh, for the folks participating. Whites only. Whites only. Dr. Lathan, I think she'd be with us uh, next week. But I said that it's going to be almost like an albino type thing. Like, oh, they had a white, a non-white guest on the cows. Like, oh, that's... Unusual. They don't have that too often. Anywho, uh, again, much obliged. Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. We need our brain computer working at maximum efficiency. There's so much to process uh, in terms of just problems and all kinds of things. We don't need any impairments. We already got enough of that. In addition to being sober, let's be buckled Every time we are in a vehicle, again, I'm of the opinion that we should be hunkered down like they have. I think it's a blanket wide recommendation. It might be from like the tip of California, San Diego, all the way up uh, to the Canadian border, where it's basically you don't want to be outside uh, at all. You don't want to be outside if you have a great respiratory system. You don't want to be outside if you have asthma or any ailments. Uh, stay in the house. In fact, close the windows and stay in the house. I guess dump all of that. Get outside and fresh air and open space for the Ronin. And, and, and. Stay in the house. The air quality is terrible. What is it? Very unhealthy and harmful. They had unhealthy, very unhealthy, harmful. We in the Seattle area were hovering between very unhealthy, harmful. So there are many, many reasons to be in the house. Uh, If you are outside, you got to go out. It's something important. And you see some white people escalating, getting rowdy, getting loud. It is time to exit plan, escape. Just what Dr. Mazama mentioned. This is not a time to save face. This is not a time to challenge. If you are a new black gun owner, this is not a time to showcase your skills. It could be. 50 armed white people there. You have no idea what type of situation that you have got yourself into exit. Get out of there. Talk about it another day. This is all about safety and minimizing risk in 2020. All of that's it. You got to go out. You are sober. You are buckled, super vigilant. If you are behind the wheel, you are not 
on the cell phone. Uh, again, just trying to do the little things to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. And we need all of our attention. Got to be on the lookout. Awesome white people looking to turn up, be rowdy, shooting, anything like that. Got to be paying attention. Cannot be on the phone texting and running my mouth. That's it. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, brother. A victim. Uh, a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Uh. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.